I'm Mark Kudish as Buddy in the Alabama Shakespeare production of Follies. And I'm Carolee Carmelo as Jean Valjean in the John W. Engerman Theater's production of Les Miserables. And this podcast won't run a week. You're by weekly musical theater podcast where we talk about musicals. That was beautiful. I love that. I've been waiting to say that one. <laughs> I love that. That was wonderful. I'm obsessed though with the Alabama Shakespeare feel. Well, I was like, I should look up regional theaters because I'm, I'm like the Muni, Sacramento Music Circus, and those are the only two I know. Um, so, hello everyone. You might notice we're missing, we're missing a voice that we normally hear. Um, unfortunately, Slee cannot be here for the recording of this episode. She is booked. She is busy. But she will be back for our next episode. Um, hi, Slee. I miss you. I hope you're having a good day. Hi, Slee. Um, but luckily, we have a friend of the pod and someone who's already going to be a guest on this episode anyway, Miss <laughs> Rachel Lynn. Hey. Hey. Oh, Rachel, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so nice to have you. It's so nice what to be here. It's a delight. <laughs> um, How have you been? Oh, you know, I'm I'm good. I sad that Slee couldn't be here. Slee, we love you, but good riddance. No, we love you. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm really. It actually was uh, as they mentioned last podcast. I was already slated to come on to talk about parade, and Slee and Kat have asked me previously, like, hey, like in case one of us can't make it, can you be a guest host? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. So weird coincidence, <laughs> yeah, that both intersect at the same time. Uh, but no, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Um, yeah, I've been. Good. I uh, am getting ready to head out to Washington State to music direct a camp production of Susical Junior. A dream. Um, I'm going to be far more excited than the children. I'm not going to lie. It's okay. uh, I've done Susical twice. I've done Susical Junior. Um, so I'm th- absolutely thrilled. It's with a company I worked with in high school, did the camps, uh, like taught the camps pre-pandemic. So this is our first summer back post-COVID. Amazing. So I'm super excited. So I'll be heading there and then... Very quickly after that, um, I am doing a production of Into the Woods um, at the Roxy Regional Theater in Tennessee. It's about an hour north of Nashville, and I'm playing the Baker's Wine. Ooh, the star of the show. If, I mean, if you've ever heard me talk about Into the Woods, you know that I think, a lot of people think that Into the Woods, it's make or break based on the witch. For me, it's the Baker's Wife. I don't really, the witch can be whoever, I don't care, but the Baker's Wife I have strong opinions on, and I'm so thrilled that it's you. No, I'm very excited. This has been this is this has been top three for me for shows. For sure. One of them, one of the other ones being Parade, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. Um, yes. No, so I'll be heading. I'll be out there. If you're in the Nashville area in September, the month of September, um, we're going to be running through the 24th, um, and then I'll be back here, and then that's for October for me to figure out yeah. what I'll be doing. That's the future. <laughs> that's a future problem. Uh, that's for a future me. Exactly. I, you know, still currently seeking representation, and that's. Uh, <laughs> That's where I'm at, but uh, toss, toss. thrilled to be back on the pod. <laughs> Absolutely thrilled. Love, oh. love being able to come back of and talk course. about theater with of my favorite course. ladies. Of course. Um, yeah, so this week, with this episode, we are talking about uh, Jason Robert Brown's parade. God bless the sights. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, finishing up our Jason Robert Brown July, which... Is not really a theme, but we were like, let's just do Jason Robert Brown in July. Why not? Um, so, um, 
just ahead of the game, this show <laughs> is incredibly upsetting. I'm going to put a content warning. If you don't Big know this show, um, hate crimes, racism, anti-Semitism, anti murder... murder. Rape, rape. <laughs> uh, pedophilia, maybe. I'm gonna yeah, be right. big, big um, There's a lot of pretty bad stuff, so make sure before you get into it that you know what you're getting into. Um, yep. So if you can't handle that, listen to our honeymoon in Vegas episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do a warm up. It doesn't. Honeymoon in Vegas doesn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. So um, she's got a lot of Elvis in Hawaii. A lot of Elvis <laughs> in Hawaii. Um, yeah. So heads up. That is going to be something that we talk about in this episode. Be aware. For some trivia, I'm sure you already know all of this, but for our listeners who may not know, Parade is a musical dramatization of the 1913 trial of Jewish pencil factory manager Leo Frank, who was accused of raping and murdering his 13-year-old employee, Miss Mary Fagan. The trial uh, was sensationalized and it raised anti-Semitic tensions in Atlanta and the rest of Georgia. As we go into the show, you'll learn Leo was originally sentenced to death. Uh, his sentence got commuted to life in prison and he got transferred to a, like a prison work camp in Milledgeville, Georgia, where a lynching party kidnapped him and took him to Marietta and lynched him. This show is incredibly sad everywhere you look, so it's upsetting. Anyway, uh, Harold Prince asked Jason Robert Brown to write the score after Mr. Stephen Sondheim turned it down, which is so interesting to me. I want to know what a Sondheim parade would have sounded yeah, like. big time. Um, because, I mean, this musical feels so Jason, like, it feels so singularly Jason Robert Brown. Mm-hmm. It's got this big, like, sweeping score, and, ugh, it's so good. Yeah, it's um, incredible. The book writer, Alfred Yuri, thank you so much, uh, <laughs> he grew up in Atlanta and had personal knowledge of the story as his great uncle owned the pencil factory uh, run by Mr. Leo Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out from you before we started recording that there's a whole trilogy. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's not, it's, I can't remember the name of the other play, but basically Alfred Yuri wrote three plays that are set in in Atlanta and and. Uh, one of them is, and he wrote them like within a, like close to each other and he calls it, it's something trilogy reader. If you know, please tell us, I feel bad not for knowing. Uh, but it's last night of Ballyhoo is one of the other plays that is part of his, uh, like kind of Atlanta trilogy all set around Southern Jewish families dealing with anti-Semitic, you know, feelings in the South. Yeah. So cause Alfred Urey is very connected to that, yeah. to that, that heritage and yeah. that, that ideology. So it's actually, uh, again, wish I could remember the name of the other play, but Last Night of Ballyhoo, again, excellent. Yeah. Excellent play. Parade. Brilliant. I mean, of course. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting to me. As a, a person from the South, there was a single Jewish family in my hometown, and I always wondered why, and now I have a better understanding. The show was Jason Robert Brown's first Broadway production. Congratulations. Uh, it premiered at the Vivian Beaumont Theater on December 17th, 1998, and it closed on February 12th, 1999. So not a long run, but Jason Robert Brown's shows don't run for super long, unfortunately. Do you, do you have the trivia for why it closed? Um, I have some information about the, like, the critiques of the show, but what? why did the show close? Oh, that was, if I'm correct in remembering, I think it's, I know this is the scandal why, but I'm 90% sure Garth Jabinski was one of the producers because basically again 
Allegedly, but this is this is the actual thing. It was one of the there was two producers, two major producers, and one of the producers basically like went bankrupt, and like half of their funding was gone. So like like and you'll mention the like critically it wasn't as well received as it should have been, but literally they closed early as early as they did because they lost half their funding very unexpectedly because the other producer was embezzling. So that's why I'm like I'm like. If I'm remembering correctly, and I was telling friend of the podcast, Jonathan Hogue, I was like, I, we were talking about, like, we're like, I think that's John. I think it was Garth Drabinsky. Yeah. Was the other producer, but it literally, like, it was the other, like, the, the second 50% was, they were caught embezzling, and so they lost half their funding. Because they were supposed to have, I think, like, I think they would have had, like, a nine-month run, a year-long run at Lincoln Center, mm-hmm. but, like, lost half their funding. That sucks yeah it's oh my God. like literally theater, theater twitter loses their mind of like we were robbed <laughs> we absolutely were. were robbed of more time with parade we were and the original production of parade it had like what 26 cast members and like a 30 piece orchestra it was a huge, was, like, huge cast a huge, huge cast a huge orchestra and that's a lot of jobs that got lost oh and busy. like listener if you've never been to lincoln center in new york it is one of the largest broadway theaters like it's it's situated about 10 blocks north of what is considered the blocks of Broadway. So it's literally, it's this giant, it's like right next to the Metropolitan Opera, the Symphony. It's like right over there. So it's this giant theater. And so it's, you have these like this huge, it's like where the King and I revival played. So it's this huge space. And so you have so many people involved, huge thing. And for it to only run three months. Just devastating. devastating. Oh my God. Critics praised the show, especially the score. Um, however, the public and Some critics were less excited by it. A lot of people felt like the show took too many liberties with the use of racial slurs, which I don't know that I disagree with. I understand that racial slurs are a fact of life and that a lot of people have to live with them being hurled at them. And I like really, really, really hate that. And I guess if you're trying to make a point, I understand the use of it. But if you're using it a little too much... It makes my stomach feel weird. So, yeah. Maybe use it less. It got nominated for nine Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Book, Best Score, Best Leading Actor and Actress, uh, Best Direction, Best Choreography, and Best Best Scenic Design and Best Orchestrations. And it won for Best Book and Score, which, yeah, of course it did. They're so good. Devastating that Carolee Carmelo, original (sighs) Lucille Frank, did not get the Tony. There's a there's a there's a thing on Twitter where it's like if Carly Carmelo had won the Tony in '98, then Burnett would have won for Gypsy, and we'd be in the good timeline now. Oh, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah we would be I don't the, disagree. We would be in the good timeline. Oh my she god, she wouldn't, you know, because uh, Carly lost to Burnett Peters for Andy Get Your Gun. So they're like, if she had one for Gypsy instead of Andy Get Your Gun, yeah, because yeah, she sh- it she should have. I yeah, stupid. I found I found out a couple of years ago when I did Gypsy that apparently liking Bernadette Peters' Mama Rose was a little bit of a like a hot take, and I was like, but but it's Bernadette, it's Bernadette. Peters, like y'all calm down. Is Pat, was Patty Lapone amazing? Absolutely, yeah. I will never, never not say that. I also love Imelda Staunton, which I also found out was a bit of a hot take, but look. If you've played Mama Rose, I probably love you. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, and we'll, we'll talk, we'll the hot take this all day long on your Gypsy episode. Absolutely. <laughs> It'll be just one long hot take. About the Mama Roses. <laughs> um, parade. This is the last bit of trivia before I get into the synopsis. Um, it won six Drama Desk Awards for Best Musical, Best Book, Best Actor for Brett Carver, who was the original Leo Frank. 
Best Actress for Miss Carolee Carmelo, as she should. Best Orchestrations and Best Music. Um, so it kind of swept the Drama Desk Awards that year, um, but not so much the Tonys, which is sad. Uh, quick, quick bit yeah. of trivia before you get into yeah. the synopsis. Um, I also told Kat before the recording that if I get to... <laughs> too much into it into parade for her to rain me in because this is literally it's my favorite musical ever i i love this musical with my whole being and so i have a lot of like not memories but like moments with parade but a quick anecdote yeah. was since you since you uh, brought up the history of parade um uh again friend of the podcast jonathan hogue and i went to, went to college together our dream roles are leo and lucille frank so all through college we would sing Literally in the entire score parade, like every day, every chance we got a practice room. So we, um, his family lives about, like he, he lives in uh, just outside of Atlanta, so he lives near Marietta. So I was uh, visiting him and his family, like <laughs> June 2020. Oh man, <laughs> this was right before Georgia became hotspot. So I oh. went and visited, went and visited him and his family for the Fourth of July weekend, and uh, we were like, hey, like let's go visit there's a plaque at the site where leo frank was was hung where he was lynched it's a memorial plaque brought up by the state of georgia basically like when they pardoned him or mm -hmm. i can't remember if it's the, i think it's not pardoning but it's like basically exonerated him yeah and it's so they put up a plaque in marietta at the site and so jonathan and i were like oh my gosh we have to go we have to you know see the site you know honor blah 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 and so you would think it would be in like the rolling hills of Marietta, Georgia, this, you know, you would think it would be this beautiful plaque, you know, honoring this man's, you know, life and, you know, uh, Jewish heritage. It is a, it is a plaque in the middle of a highway next to a dilapidated Mexican restaurant. <laughs> it is an, it, and it's not even next to the highway. You got to go behind the restaurant. Like you gotta go in the parking lot and then next to it and it's like randomly on the highway and you're like, what? And it's like this gorgeous plaque of like, here you know here is Leo Frank. Here's the side of this, the state of Georgia. You know, it's this whole thing and we literally were like, what is going on? And so we went to it and we're like, I guess we're gonna go here for lunch. Yeah. So it's like we go and visit this historical site and then. Go to this dilapidated Mexican restaurant in June 2020. Oh man, it was the it was the most chaotic moment of my life. But oh. yeah, that uh, that was fat. On on the opposite spectrum, I did get to go to when the the Jewish Heritage Museum in New York they did a exhibit on Leo Frank oh, cool. uh, back in 2016, and Jason Robert Brown did a concert of parade oh. at the, when they were opening the exhibit with Sebastian Arcelis and Stephanie J. Block singing Leo and Lucille. Oh. And I have the recording of them singing all the ways of time. I'll let you know. Um, but so on the other end of it, like they did a whole exhibit on Leo Frank's life, Lucille Frank. They did a, they brought, they had his desk from the pencil factory there. They had his baby shoes there for some reason. Okay. <laughs> but no, it was a really fascinating exhibit on his life, the case, everything that happened from the case, mm -hmm. everybody involved with it. And then what Lucille Frank did after his passing, like mm -hmm. it was really fascinating. So like, if you want to actually see some some culturally significant moments, find a Leo Frank exhibit. Yeah. Or go go to the museum of uh, is it the museum of Jewish heritage? Is that what it's called? It's in Fidei, Jewish Heritage Museum. So that yeah. is my that is my pontification oh my on the on memorials the of Leo Frank, Mark. and he deserves it. He mm -hmm. deserves that and so much Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Um, all right. So 
let's get into the synopsis of Parade. This synopsis, I wrote it myself, toss, toss. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like an amalgamation of like the MTI like synopsis, a copy of the script I found, and the Wikipedia page. So this might not be the exact version that is done, but I do believe that this is the like Broadway version that was originally produced. So if it's not the version you did, um, I'm sorry. Email us. Ask yeah. us a question. Yeah. You know what? Send me a copy of the script. I'd love to read it. Um, Send me a copy of the script you kept. Yeah. Um, and from I, your Azusa Pacific University production. I would love to hear it. All right. Act one. We open on Marietta, Georgia in 1862. A young Confederate soldier bids farewell to his love as he goes off to fight in the Civil War. Years pass and it is now Confederate Memorial Day 1913 in Atlanta, Georgia. The same soldier, now 51 years older, joins the townspeople to commemorate the glory of the Old South. And this is the opening number, The Old Red Hills of Home, which is beautiful um, and driving. And I, as someone from the South, I understand the implications of the Southern people in this show. And like, it's gross. I'm not with that. But this song, I... I don't know what Jason Robert Brown put in it, but it feels like being back home for me. And it's, I I love this song as I love most of these songs, but this one has a really like special place in my heart. Um, as the parade begins, we meet Leo Frank, a Jewish man from Brooklyn and his wife, Lucille, a Southern Jewish woman. Lucille is upset that Leo is going into work on the holiday. Uh, Leo does not care for this holiday, uh, at all. He is also incredibly uncomfortable being a college-educated Jew in a town that clearly does not understand him. And he sings a song called How Can I Call This Home about how uncomfortable he is and how difficult it is for him to feel like a part of these people that he's found himself in. Uh, He makes his way to the pencil factory that he manages to go do some work. We now meet Mary Fagan, a 13, almost 14-year-old girl, on her way to pick up her paycheck from the pencil factory. She runs into a teenage boy named Frankie Epps. Uh, They flirt. It's a really cute little song. I like it a lot. It's really sweet. It's very, like, two young teenagers flirting. Um, Pretty innocent, really sweet but you know like they're flirting it's cute and it's really funny and it's called the picture show is the song that they're like flirting in um he asks her on a date to the movies uh she is like no i can't my mom won't let me toss toss but maybe i'll go with a friend and i'll see you there uh and then she makes her way to pick up her paycheck from the pencil factory leo is at work and lucille reflects on her life and her relationship with leo And this is a song called Leo at Work slash What Am I Waiting For? And so in one part of the song, Leo is like doing inventory and like doing math and trying to figure out the finances of this factory. And Lucille is reflecting on her life and her relationship with Leo. Well, like also it's not said in the show, but if you do like, if you do any kind of research like I have, but like the Lucille and Leo and I know we'll bring up the Encore's production in a moment or at some point, but Leo is significantly older than Lucille. Like it's supposed to be that like, it was basically Lucille's father owned the pencil factory and hired Leo and it was an arranged marriage with Lucille and Leo. And so Lucille's like, I think in her early to mid twenties and he's in his like basically 40. 
So it's, you see, like, obviously the actors playing Leo and Lucille reflect that in their acting and the script says that to an extent. But that is an inch, like, you, throughout the first act, like, it is really clear that it is a marriage of convenience. Yeah. And how, and this song in particular, mm-hmm. what am I waiting for? You, you see both of them and, and, and you see more so Leo's perspective in, um, how can I call this home? Where it's like, I, it, you know, it's this sense of duty. They both have their own identities. He's a Brooklyn Jew. She's a Southern Jew. And how they have their traditions that are, that they, you know, she wants to participate in Confederate Memorial Day because that's her upbringing. She does not, she does not want to embrace her Jewish heritage. He's from Brooklyn. He wants to, he wants to embrace his Jewish heritage. He's, he loves it. And so you see them fighting their own individuality in this arranged marriage of we have to, you know. Yeah. yeah, so it's what am I, those two songs, but what am I waiting for in Leo at work really show, like, and I think they were only married for like three years before the trial happened too. So like, you're oh also seeing with the two of them that they haven't been married long. No. So like that, you, because at first you're like, well, how, why are they married? You know, why are they still together? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then, you know, you'll, you know, things later on you see too. But you, you sit there and you're like, Oh, you were married three years and it was an arranged marriage. Yeah, it just, there's, yeah, there's just so much power in the way that you see the relationship start and you, where you eventually where you see it end up going. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you'll, you'll um, let yeah. me know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it down. But my thesis point, circling back to say, mm-hmm. but the power of um, the, the how can I call this home into the what am I waiting for is you're seeing them separated you're seeing they're you know they're seeing that that they're their own individual person and it makes it more powerful for the second act but it just Mm -hmm. it is just a really interesting how they start their relationship that way and then when you know the kind of the history of the real life yeah too yeah well it's also really interesting and i i guess i hadn't really thought about like how long they'd been together but having read the script and, like, seeing the way that they interact, especially in, like, the first scene when she's like, it's a holiday. And he's like, I'm not Calls doing this. in the script. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's going to work because he wants to, like, create a nest egg for them to, like, start a family. And he is, like, so he cannot say, conceive a baby. Like, he can't yeah. say anything about that. He's, <gasps> like. He's so uncomfortable. He's so uncomfortable and, like. He's so uncomfortable with them sexually. He's so uncomfortable. And even when in the song, Lucille is talking about, literally, she's like, you know, how can I be prim and proper for him? How can I be this way for him that he wants? How can I be... Like, she's talking about her wanting to understand relationship and life, and he literally is counting boxes in the other half of the song. So you're also seeing this stark contrast between what they both want mm-hmm. in life and with each other, which yeah. is super fascinating too. Yeah. Really good job, Jason. If good you... job, Jason R. Brown and Alfred Urie. Yes. Um, <laughs> and at the end of that song, Mary enters Leo's office to get her pay and they have hey. a brief... In... <laughs> I came for my pay. Um, they, get, <laughs> they have a brief interaction. She wishes him a happy Memorial Day. They freeze for a moment. Lights down. Now we move to that night, the police show up at Leo and Lucille's home and they explain that Mary Fagan has been found dead in the basement of the factory. They claim that Newt Lee, the night watchman for the factory, a black man, found her body. 
Meanwhile, Mrs. Fagan asks an officer for help finding her daughter who never made it home. And that's the song I'm song I'm trying to remember. Um, which is like kind of sung, but also it's like a it's like a um wretched teeth. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, so and while Newt is talking to the police, he inadvertently kind of pushes them in the direction that Leo could be responsible for this because he did not answer the phone when he called. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police hold Leo and Newt for questioning about the murder. And then we get to meet Britt Craig, <laughs> the life and soul of the party. <laughs> My boy! <laughs> <laughs> My boy, but also not really because he does some terrible stuff. Nope. Um, George's boy. <laughs> yeah. He is a... Uh, reporter and he is an alcoholic and he gets informed about the murder and he sees an opportunity to make this like really set his career up early paparazzi's essential sensationalism absolutely and that's the song big news which i love leo is angry and he's stuck in his jail cell there they give him food and he's like i can't eat this like i have a sensitive stomach you need to bring me food that i can eat I can't eat grease. Like, he's very angry and he's very upset. And Lucille shows up and she visits him and she brings him, like, clean clothes. And she's like, I want you to be comfortable. And Leo's like, it doesn't matter if I'm comfortable. I'll be home by tonight. I'll be home by tonight. So don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and, like, sends her away. Which I'm like, she's just trying to be nice. She's trying to be a good person. Yeah, she's trying to, like, support you in this, but... He's sure that he'll be home by supper time, and he sends her on her way. At the cemetery, Mary's funeral is happening, um, and Britt Craig is covering the story, and he talks to her friends and her family and the rest of the community as they mourn her murder as a senseless act of violence. And it's really, really sad. This is a really upsetting song. This song, it's it's ridiculous. It's stupidly gorgeous but in that melancholy gorgeous because it's the song um it don't make sense Mm -hmm. there's a fountain there's a fountain it don't make sense yeah and it's frankie starts the song and he he does his verse and then you slowly everybody comes in to where it becomes it's it's this gorgeous harmony in the show yeah everybody's like yeah no it don't make sense and just yeah this it it becomes the whole cast comes on stage aside from i think it's aside from leo and lucille Mm -hmm. are the only people not in this song but it's or you know it's it's the uh, Marietta yeah. ensemble is in this the same people who sang Older Hills of Home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you literally you see him building and it's the most gorgeous. It's a gorgeously like sorrowful melody. Yeah, and the way that it floats is just like I could sob listening to just that section of the song. Yeah, it's it's beautiful and you get to hear like eulogies of Mary from her friends and it's really really sad um you just hear lines of like she had two crooked teeth Mm -hmm. she would smile at the foreman and I can't and I can't believe they took my friend away and it's the it's the girls her age singing that and they're just like friends yeah it's these lines from like the mothers of her friends her Mm -hmm. you know people she went to school with and they just layer each other and it's Oh, it's really, listener. It's get ready to cry. <laughs> Honestly, br- briefly, I didn't know Parade very well until college, and then I heard a song that I'll talk about later in the show, and I was like, you know what? This sounds like a fun time. <laughs> so 
so I decided to just passively put it on while I was getting work done one day. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I ended up crying in the floor for like two hours. Surprise, surprise. It's a bummer. <laughs> it's a major, major bummer. Um, So during There is a Fountain slash It Don't Make Sense, Frankie Epps vows revenge against the person who murdered Mary and another man, uh, Tom Watson, who's the <gasps> editor, I know, a fucking monster, the editor of the Jeffersonian, an extremist right-wing newspaper. <laughs> Bones? That's where they work is the Jeffersonian. Oh. <laughs> Bones? Bones? Uh, I didn't realize the newspaper is called the Jeffersonian. Yep. <laughs> Listener, yeah. if you've ever watched the television program Bones, they, they work at a lab called the Jeffersonian in DC. Whoa. Not to be confused with the, the racist paper in the musical parade. No. Um, <laughs> But Tom Watson is also pretty upset about this. And he's like, I'm going to get revenge too. Which is, okay, fine. Whatever, Tom. We meet Governor Slayton and the prosecutor, Hugh Dorsey. Um, Governor Slayton is putting a lot of pressure on Hugh to get this thing figured out. He's like, Mm -hmm. people are upset. We need to get people to move on. And the best way to do that is we've got to get a conviction. And they basically say too, like, we can't keep convicting black people yeah um so uh hugh dorsey is a wannabe politician with a pretty bad track record as an attorney Mm -hmm. and he initially tries to pin it on newt lee but he decides that hanging another black person isn't enough this time except for he doesn't use the word black person he uses um no thank you and so dorsey decides that all right we'll just pin it on leo leo did it um, and he sends out detectives and police officers to get eyewitnesses. And Brooke Craig begins a campaign blaming Leo for the murder and slandering his Jewish identity in the song Real Big News. And this song, you've got, you know, Brooke Craig, like, talking about, like, oh, well, you know, oh, like, he did this and he did this. And, like, he's in, people are being interviewed and people are just, like, you can feel people starting to get whipped up about oh, well, like, this man killed him. Well, you know what? Like, one time he sat next to me on the train and he, like, touched my knee, which may or may not be true. Oh, um, and it's, like, basically... And, A, the opening of this song slaps. Oh, it's so good. The piano solo <laughs> at the beginning. Oh, it is so Jason Robert Brown, but it oh, slaps. It's so slaps. good. It is, it is King of the World turned into yes. Yes. It's It's yes. the same thing as King of the World. Um, but it is Brick Craig. It's you. You basically... Like what Kat was saying, he's interviewing different people and it's each person will get a little verse and they'll go be like, they'll be like, I saw this little kid who did what Leo did, da, 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 da. And then the Brit Craig will go, go on, go on, go on, go on now. And you, it's like the way that the music and everything is mm-hmm. set up, it's he's getting them to like, yeah. be like, oh yeah, I did see that. Oh yeah, go on. Yeah. Because Brit's like, th- literally Brit Craig, because this is the follow up to big news where he's like, he literally is like, this is my big thing. I know this is going to be huge. This is going to be my... It's it's the fact, too, that Brick Craig, he's faking sympathy. He's faking this wanting to know more information about what happened. And he's... It literally is about his career. Oh, it's 100% about his career. Again, it's so... Again, the the mastery of... The fact that this was Jason Robert Brown's second... Because Songs for New World was his first, but even that's a song cycle. The fact that this was his first book musical and the brilliance... Of his, or like the way that he 
undertoned the emotion and mm-hmm. what needed to be spoken through music in this yeah. is it's stupid. Yeah. Especially yeah. you see it you see it in songs like Real Big News. Yeah. Where you and at the end of Real Big News, and you, I'm sure you'll go into it with the plot. It builds up to a point that's it, where everybody's overlapping each other. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> like, yeah. It goes with a perfect no, yeah. too. It it builds and builds and builds and like everyone is freaking out. Like yeah. people are in a frenzy. The entire town is like upset and they have it, I mean, not to make this political, but it feels very Make America Great Again. Big time. Um, in Big terms of, like, time. the fervor of these people. And then Leah, or Lucille is being, like, hounded by these people and reporters, and she finally is like, please just, like, leave me alone. And Britt Craig is there and asking her questions again, trying to get the scoop. She defends her husband to Brooke Craig, and she's she claims that like everything that is being said is untrue in the song "You Don't Know This Man," and it's beautiful. And it's also wild too because she's going to deliver. She, I think she's going to visit the prison. She's on her way to the prison, mm-hmm. and this is when "You Don't Know This Man" happens right after yeah. real big news. But also, you've never. It's again. I love you. Don't know this man because it's you can tell it's Lucille convincing herself too. Yeah, because you the uh, up and and I know you'll talk about it in the plot. Up until a certain point, you do not know how Lucille feels. No, because all throughout, it's not seen as much. Like if you're just listening to the soundtrack, it's hard because there's not a lot of of musical stuff written for Lucille. But if you look at the script, mm-hmm. boy. Yeah. It is so, I mean, it, really it leans towards to where she thinks he's guilty because yeah. of the history of their relationship, you know, leaning back into, you know, what am I waiting for? So it, it it's interesting that Lucille has this song, which of course is such a well-known song for yeah. women in musical theater, the <laughs> yeah. same. Yeah. Um, but it's, and again, you don't know this man, incredible. Yeah. But it literally is, you see Lucille basically, she's convincing Britt Craig, but she's also convincing herself. Mm-hmm. She's like... It, but, and it's even her saying to herself, you don't know this man. Yeah. You don't, you know, I don't think you could. And it's, she's, she's trying to even fight for herself of mm-hmm. like this. And it's more so like, this is a hit on my, how everyone views yeah, me too. Of course. Well, I mean, it's her husband. It's, it's such, again, such an interesting yeah. uh, piece looking at it mm-hmm. from the acting side of it. It's yeah. incredible. And like Lucille's whole character arc is really <gasps> beautiful and fascinating because she starts the beginning of the show being very much your like typical kind of subservient southern wife yeah like she's there to support her husband and you know be soft and gentle and you know there for him in that way and through the course of the show and we'll get into it as the synopsis goes on um and as the show goes on we see her really come into her own and like find strength not only within her relationship with leo but also in herself and it's beautiful, and I love it. Leo meets his lawyer, which is not the person he asked for. It's someone else, which is a big problem. But he meets his lawyer. Meanwhile, Hugh Dorsey makes a deal with uh, the factory janitor and ex-convict, Mr. Jim Conley, to testify against Leo in exchange for immunity uh, for a previous prison escape. Jim Conley is a black man. Um, that matters. So, things aren't looking good for Leo. 
Lucille shows up to his cell to go visit him and she tells him that she thinks she's gonna leave. Like she can't bear to see this trial. It, it's too much for her and he begs her to stay in the courtroom with him since her absence would make him look guilty. Which is like, you don't even want her there just for like the support of your wife. You want her there because it will make you look bad if she's not there. That's messed up, my guy. Leo. Leo. Um, the trial begins. Uh, presided over by Judge Rowan, the prosecution produces a series of witnesses who give testimony and evidence fed to them by Hugh Dorsey, that sick son of a bitch. <gasps> oh, it's like really awful. It's upsetting how terrible. It's not upsetting because it's real. How terrible these white men are. Yeah. It's all white men. All of these white men are so awful. They're just um, absolutely wretched. Uh, Frankie Epps, who you might remember as the teenage boy that flirted with Mary, um, he falsely testifies that Mary mentioned that Leo looks at her funny the last time that they spoke. A group of factory girls present further testimony that Leo was a lecherous man who lured them into his office in order to seduce him. Or in to, in, to seduce them. Uh, and that's the song, the factory girls slash come up to my office. That was the first song I heard from this show. And <laughs> that is just wild <laughs> it's really not all the wasted time no, no this is not over yet not red hills at home no come on up to my office <laughs> come up to my office which like if you hear the song you brilliant you might understand why i went and be like oh this is gonna be fun it's literally it's like a ragtime number <laughs> it's a ragtime number and like the leo's part of it is like yeah ragtime. and like the girls are like he calls my name i turn my head and they're talking about how he's like creepy but I was like, maybe this is like a wolf in Into the Woods moment. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was wrong. It's not like that at all. No. Um, and, and again, brilliant song because yeah. depending on the staging of it, it's basically Leo is sitting and the lights are, it's basically spotlights are only on the girls. So Leo's sitting in the dark, but then basically he comes and it's almost like the, the guy playing Leo does like some sort of tr like bodily transformation and he becomes what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And he like kind of stands up on a chair and is like lurching over him, over them. Yeah. And then at the end of the song, the two Leo's section of singing and the, and the three girls, Iola, Essie and Montine, um, their sections are two different time signatures and two different like genres of music. And at the end, they both sing on top of each other. It's mm. wild. Or like the orchestrations for both overlap mm -hmm. to where literally you're like, I don't know how these girls are keeping it. And then it goes back into what the girls are singing. Yeah. Again, listener, brilliant. It's, it's, it's and again, it goes with the chaos of what's happening in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Stupid. It's his brain, like, I really can't imagine being able <laughs> to just, brain. like, come up with that. It's crazy. Um, so after that, Mary's mother gives testimony. Um, and this is the song, My Child Will Forgive Me. And she also, uh, surprisingly forgives Leo for what he is accused of. Um, but it's in definitely the most menacing way. Oh, yeah. It's like, I forgive you. But she also literally, she goes, and so I forgive you, Jew. She doesn't yeah. say his name. And yeah. she the way that the woman on the recording does it, she's literally like, it's like a slur for her mm -hmm. to even say it. Yeah. So it's, it, again, it's so fascinating that the whole song is called My Child Will Forgive Me. And so I, and, and she's saying that she's going to forgive him, but it's in just the most. Yeah. In the least forgiving the way. The least possible. forgiving way possible. Yeah. And she, and she basically brings him, brings him down to almost trying, 
through the song, she tries to bring him to a not human level Mm -hmm. to be like, you did this despicable thing to my daughter Mm -hmm. and out of, because I'm a quote unquote good Christian woman, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to make sure you know, I don't really forgive you. Yeah. It's, It's, you know, and it's a one, it's the one song this actor, the character sings. Mm -hmm. It's. Yeah, it's really it's a great moment for it's her. It's a too. really great moment, and again, it's in the middle of the chaos of the courtroom. Mm-hmm. It's a quiet, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, a fascinating psychology mm-hmm. in the flow of the courtroom scene. Yeah, the courtroom whole section is really, really well done because we've got like we've got the like opening statements, and then we have like miles to Marietta. Yeah, and then we have like Frankie Epps testifying, and then we have the Factory Girl slash come up to my office, which kind of like gets exciting and then we like go to this and then we move to the next part of this which is the star witness jim conley taking the stand uh and he claims that he witnessed the murder and helped leo cover the crime in the song that's what he said which is a great song for the guy playing jim conley jim conley like a real star moment, I think, for him. He literally, the way, again, the way that that song, it starts out as a very low, not low and slow, but low It's like volume, steady. And then it, he whips that courtroom. Yeah. That, like, that, the Jim Conley character, the, like, he gets that courtroom in a frenzy mm-hmm. because you know that it, like, him not getting convicted means he's getting, like, he's made the deal with Dorsey mm-hmm. that... If he gets Leo convicted, he gets his prison sentence removed. Yeah. So it's you see him whipping up that courtroom, and you see at the end, it's all of the it's he, Conley Jim Conley does a vocal layer, Leo does a vocal layer, the white courtroom does a vocal layer, the black courtroom does a vocal layer, and Lucille's doing nothing. Yep. <laughs> She's just sitting there looking at looking at the courtroom. So and you see the frenzy that's built up with it too. That's super. Ugh. Oh, it's and the, and again musically the acting of it like listener the the there is a a slime tutorial of the original parade Uh on youtube the concert version that they did in 2014 is on youtube Mm -hmm. so it's it's again the staging of it's just fascinating yeah yeah i mean his brain (laughs) it's his the brains well and hal prince too brains of hal prince yeah it's it's stupid it's stupid how good it is um and, like, in this song, like, the jurors and observers are all being, like, whipped into this frenzy. And then the prosecutor, like, continues to, like, whip them up. Mm-hmm. And, like, finally, Leo is, like, desperate. He's, like, I don't, like his lawyer's not doing anything to help him. His lawyer also, I think Luther Drosser, or Luther Drosser is the character's name, mm-hmm. um, which I also forget too when you're, na- when you're saying these character names, they're real humans. These are real like, people, yeah. J- John Slayton, Hugh Dorsey, Tom Watts, like these are all real humans mm-hmm. that existed, which is again, you're like, oh, the character, the person, the character of, and you're like, that's a human. Yeah, the human. Um, but Luther Do- Drosser, it's, he's, at least in the original Broadway production, he was characterized or characterized as like a Colonel Sanders larger white suit southern gentleman mm-hmm. who like literally like you can tell he was just hired because he was available mm-hmm. and like there's a scene early on with leo and him where he basically is like i don't care i'm not i don't believe you I, like basically everyone quote unquote representing leo it thinks he's guilty yeah so leo the only person who is vouching for him is himself yeah it's really awful. And, like, as everyone is, like, getting whipped up, his lawyer's like, okay, now go give a statement. 
there's no prep. Like, he's not had time to prepare a statement or anything. And so Leo delivers a heartfelt speech begging to be believed um, in the song It's Hard to Speak My Heart, which is, again, devastating. Gorgeous. Gorgeous song. beautiful. Um, And, like, he's just begging for people to, like, believe him and understand, like, where he's coming from. And he talks about, like, who he is as a person and he's really speaking. You can tell, like, this is the first moment we really get to see Leo, like, speak and express how he's feeling, like, actually feeling. Yeah, and be vulnerable. So it is, it's the first time you see him not being calculated. Exactly. being prepared and he's it's the first time and then again in the staging it's the first time lucille looks at him in the trial Mm -hmm. it's it's the first time you see her and it's it's the moment she believes him yeah is that is that moment during it's hard to speak my heart (gasps) oh it's so good Uh, unfortunately it isn't enough and after a short deliberation he is found guilty and sentenced to hang in less in less than two hours it it i cannot emphasize how short this deliberation was um the crowd does a joyful cakewalk as Leo and Lucille embrace each other in fear. It is. So the song, the song itself is called Summation and Cakewalk. Mm-hmm. And again, another moment of brilliance from Jason Robert Brown. You have the celebration music, which is in one time signature. The, and then the summation mu- music, which is in another time. It's the old Red Hills of Home like music and then you have like ragtime music playing mm-hmm. and literally it's leo and lucille the courtroom is literally fading away from them they're making eye they don't break eye contact and they slowly walk towards each other as the entire cast is dancing in celebration around them with two different songs overlapping each other in different time signatures and it only comes together at the very last measure when they both embrace it's just so it's and then lights out blackout End of act one. Yeah. Could you imagine being in the audience for this show and it being that you've just seen it. It's hard to speak my heart. The man is convicted of being guilty. You're seeing Leo and Lucille embrace for the, it's the first time they like touch. Yeah. Like embrace. Everyone's celebrating around them and then blackout. Intermission, everybody. Yeah. Go, <laughs> go buy your merchandise. Go buy your merchandise. Go buy your bathroom. Go buy your parade mugs and t-shirts, go, everybody. Go buy your your $20 parade-themed drinks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. No. Oh, my Just stupid. Like, it's, ridiculous. It, it's really... So brilliant. Really just, like, stark. It's oh just like, gosh. and done. Done. We'll see you in 15. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even want to imagine what those, like, overpriced cocktails would be called. I feel like it would just be upsetting. It would just be upsetting. Because what would you call it? Like, the Georgia Peach? Oh, no. <laughs> the Memorial Day Lemonade? Oh, no. No. Mm-hmm. I don't even want it. Because you know who's going to have it? Encores. Oh, yeah. Encores is going to not I don't want it. I don't want it. But if you are able to see the Encores production, DM me and let me know what those drinks are. I am... I don't want it, but I am morbidly curious. Um, I I don't want it. So, act two. We've got our <laughs> stupid cocktails. We're back in our seats. <laughs> we ready got our, to go. We've got our Memorial Day lemonade. Ready we, to go. We've got our Georgia Peach and Memorial Day lemonade. <laughs> the uh, curtains rise. I'm upset. It's a year later. It's 1914. And Leo has been in jail this whole time. And he's in the yeah. process of uh, getting an appeal. He's... Uh, Lucille's been delivering law books to him, and he is, like, kind of learning how to better advocate for himself. And, like, his lawyer shows up, and he fires his lawyer. 
um, because his lawyer sucks. Yep. The trial has been noticed and disapproved of by people in the North, which, yeah, I totally get that. A group of black people, um, including, like, two housemaids, um, and then Newt and Jim, wonder if the North would care as much if the victim had been a little black girl in a rumbling and a rolling. And you know what? That's a good question. That's accurate. I don't disagree. Oh, it's another really incredible musical moment. There's like a whole phrase where they go, they don't ever really, pay, it's they don't ever pay attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it, it is, they ask so many times, like, what if Mary Fagan was a black girl? Yeah. Would people be lining up to go see the court, to see the trial? Yeah. And it is, and it's, it's interesting because Jim and Newt have been the ones testifying against Leo mm-hmm. and it's the dichotomy of how it and again you see it early in in the first act where it's they say we can't hang another black man yeah but you, it is you see they're like they're like this would not be the same and no we see it still today yeah it's just awful it's just awful just awful and it's like in the song they also talk about like oh well like a white man's gonna be hung but like black men are hung every, every single day and they there's a, a line where it's literally like every tree you see Mm-hmm. There's there's a black man hung and yeah, yeah it's it's very it, it's a very it's a very real moment of this is something that they deal with yeah and it's yeah and it's like <laughs> there are two white women talking about I this. know but it, it it's a very I I am glad in the musical they bring it up and that yeah. they very much talk about that this is it's it was the start of a, of the anti semitic. Of an anti-Semitic feeling in the South and the start of the... Um, the like, revival of the KKK, K-K. which is not good. And huh. so, it is a... It, the, anyway, the fact that they that you've just had the, the Act 1 closer be the trial, mm-hmm. and the Act 1 opening is this trial from the perspective of the black people in the show. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing them going, what's the difference? Yeah, like... This happens to us every day. Oh, this is all the time, but, like, now they care. Now, it's a white man. now they care. Yeah. Now so. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I bet it's you a really, It's a really good, a really good number and a really, and a, a, a really good commentary on the perspective of that. Yeah, and it's, again, if you don't know the show, I highly recommend you give it a listen when you are emotionally available to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucille is trying to help Leo with his appeal. She's trying to give him advice, bringing him books and all that. Uh, but she unintentionally reveals important information to Britt Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have an argument where he's like, you know what, don't, just stop trying to help me. Like, just get out of here. And then she sings, doodle on, Leo, doodle by yourself. Oh, and again, another star moment for our Lucille. Just- she belts an E. In that number. And yeah. she said, back up. She said, okay, do it alone. <laughs> she said, I'm going to give you an ultimatum. Yeah. You want to keep sassing me when I'm fighting for you? The only person fighting for the you. The only person on the outside willing to listen to you? Mm-hmm. And you're complaining? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Have fun. Yeah. Have fun, my All guy. Right. Sure. Oh, you're, love, you're good. Love Lucille Frank. You're good. <laughs> love her so much. <laughs> but you know what? She's like, I'm not going to let him do it alone. And so she goes to this party. She goes to a party where Governor... She goes to a party that Governor Slayton is at, and she attempts to advocate for Leo at that party. Like, he's, like, having a good... The governor's having a good time. He's singing, he's dancing, and he unknowingly asks Lucille to dance with him, and then he gets her name, and then she's trying to, like, like, you know, you could... You could 
advocate advocate for him and like you if you give me a chance I can show you that like all the testimony and the evidence is incorrect and it's not true and blah 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 and he's not really he doesn't really care very much right now because he's like the the trial is done I'm sorry about your husband but the trial is done and also at that party Tom Watson approaches Hugh Dorsey. Remember Tom Watson, the really awful guy, the Jeffersonian? Remember the asswipe? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he approaches Hugh Dorsey and he offers his passionate support of Dorsey's political career. Great. Great. Go back to the Jeffersonian, that guy. Yeah. And this is all in the song Pretty Music. Um, yeah. And then we see Judge Rowan writing a letter to the governor in Letter to the Governor. Um, song. <laughs> expressing his doubt in the decision that had been made to convict Leo and sentence him to death. So the governor gets this letter, he reads it, and then he decides that he's going to re-examine the case. And Lucille lets Leo know, and then they both rejoice in the song This Is Not Over Yet, which is my oh! favorite song in this show. Which... I love, too, that the opening of this number, they did this for the Tony Awards in 1999. Go look it up. It's Angela Lansbury and B. Arthur introducing the number, which is the best. But then they literally, it opens, there's a prison, it's like a prison guard goes up and he goes, Leo, you know what? Uh, says to you know who. And it's the, and he's like, say it again. And it's yeah. like, it means cancel all your parties. Because he's like, what do you, like the prison guard, it's code. Like, yeah. we still give him code. And the prison guard's like, what are you excited about? And then it goes into it and you're like, yes! Yeah, it's, oh, it's so good. Like, I, there's like a whole list of songs that I would love to be able to listen to for the first time again. And this is very this is high on that list. Like, it's so, it's the first moment in, since everything has kind of gone to shit, yeah. that you feel like you can take a breath. Yeah. Well, and have you seen the video? There is a video compilation of people trying to play the opening line. <laughs> have you seen that compilation? No. There, oh, listener, no. if you've ever seen those compilations of like Christopher Columbus, like everyone tries to think that, or uh, well, Mr. Snow, here I am, or Marie the Baguette, hurry up. <laughs> Someone did the same thing, but with a compilation of people trying to play the opening line of, because it's the, it's again, very Jason Robert Brown. Yeah. And it's, it is really hard, but there's so many where they're taking it so under tempo. Yeah. It's, and then they got to go, they'll play that. And then the singer will go, it means cancel all your parties. And they'll jump back up to the tempo. But it's a fun, yeah. Again, listen, look up, this is not over yet. Piano compilation. It's hysterical. Yeah. Jason Robert Brown really didn't want anyone else to play his music but him. He really did. And then, and then the, so that compilation ends with Jason Robert Brown playing, playing it for the concert version. Just like, Man, it's, it's brilliant. It's really crazy. He invented the piano. Did you know He that? did. He invented the piano. <laughs> oh, Jonathan and I, I would try to play it for us. I would just hit a chord. I'd be like, this isn't happening. <laughs> I'm just going to hit this chord over yeah. and over again. Jonathan, come on in when you're ready. Yeah, whatever, whatever you're ready, friend. <laughs> when you're ready, just sing it. But yeah, it ends with Leo and Lucille singing together. Yeah. Oh, it means you shouldn't underestimate Lucille and Leo Frank. Yeah. Oh, also, side note, devastating moment. I saw the print when they did Prince of Broadway, mm-hmm. which was the tribute show to Hal Prince, the Broadway show they did. Mm-hmm. Two atrocities that they did in that oh, show. No. They cut Lucille from that number, but they kept the prison guard. <laughs> <laughs> sure. They had a man come out and do the line, but they cut Lucille's part and they had Tony Asbeck sing it. And Brandon Uranowitz was in that cast. 
He's right there. Literally, here's what they did. They had Brandy Rinowitz sing She Loves Me, and they had Tony Asbeck sing Parade, which was just hurtful. That is... That's just... So bizarre. I was... And again, Tony Asbeck, if you're listening, we love you. I saw you in Flying Over Sunset. (laughs) I think you're great. (laughs) Tony Asbeck. We love you. Tony we know you're listening. <laughs> Tony Asbeck, you came to Schmackery's and we're really nice. <laughs> this isn't about you. It's about why were you not singing She Loved Me? Yeah. And that's... why was I was in the audience and I quietly sang Lucille to myself because I needed the completion. Of course. I needed the act. I needed the heart of that number to yeah. be included. Yeah. Not the prison guard. Not the prison guard. Oh, I was up, I was hot. I was visibly upset. <laughs> I would love I would love to have been in the room when that decision was made. I to get a little clarification. I'm upset that that decision was made. <laughs> oh upset. <my> God. <laughs> yeah. Prince no. of Broadway, not it. Not it. You know what? That's okay. That's not it. it. They don't need to be it. So the governor and Lucille hold their own interviews of all of the witnesses to like get new testimony, try to get new evidence, kind of get a better understanding of what actually happened and they very quickly learn the truth um all of the witnesses admit to either being like intimidated or convinced or whatever into exaggerating their stories or just lying just fully lying fully lying making things up as they go um especially iola stover sorry girl iola iola you fully you lied you're on the list (laughs) you're on the list iola um and everyone, everyone ends up admitting to it. And it's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's go talk to Jim. Jim Conley is the only person who will not change his story. He sticks to his story and he won't change it. Despite the fact that there is evidence that no longer lines up with that story. That evidence being, well, they did an autopsy and they found sawdust in her lungs. So that means she would have had to have been breathing by the time she got to the basement. So if if she was breathing by the time she got into the basement, that means that according to your story, you were the last person to have her alive. Oh, it's hysterical because I think there's a line in the in the in that part where they're like, Leo is a wimp. Yeah, <laughs> he could not have carried her no. to the basement. No, my guy. Yeah, it's the show. Obviously, has its own idea of who did it. Um, and like maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. We'll never know. Yeah. So it's. Jim Conley is also in jail for being an accessory to the murder, but I think he's only supposed to be in jail for, like, a year for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because he helped Hugh Dorsey. Yeah, he did, like, some sort of deal with Hugh Dorsey. Yeah. Um, so, Jim Conley's like, no, mm-mm, no, my story's the same, no matter what. So I can't catch me? Yep. Nope. Um, well, all I know is she was dead when I saw her, so I don't know how she could have been breathing to get sawdust in her lungs. Maybe it was something else. Uh, and that's the song, Feel the Rain Fall. Uh, a year later, uh, Governor Slayton has, like, gathered all of the evidence, and it's 1915, by the way, in case you didn't know. It's 1915, a year later. He's got all the evidence, and he's decided to commute Leo's sentence from, uh, execution to life in prison. And this decision ends his political career. Mm -hmm. Um, people are so incredibly upset at him uh, for doing this because, I mean, a lot of these people think that justice has been served. And, I mean, I can understand, like, thinking justice has been served and then having someone be like, no, the person that 
murdered this little girl. I'm just going to give him life in prison. Um, but he's going to live at, like, a cushy little prison farm camp thing. Like, I can understand being upset about that. And people are. Um, Dorsey and um, Watson, so Hugh Dorsey, Tom Watson, remember them? They suck. Yeah. They are all, they are pissed. And they lead, like, there's just chaos. There's a whole riot. And they, like, smash Jewish-owned businesses. And they're, like, like beating Jewish citizens. Like, it is really, 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 really bad. Um, and that's the song, Where Will You Stand When the Flood Comes, which, you know, is, oh, it's, it's one of those two, as the song heightens, mm-hmm. they, they have, there, again, I think there's like three or four different melody groups mm-hmm. that, that go in, um, they do a round mm-hmm. and the drum beat gets louder and more syncopated with, it's a really erratic, uh, percussion line mm-hmm. at the end of it. It is, again, Jason Mark Room. It is wild, this percussion, and then how, and it's the part right before it, it's this, every, every instrument is as loud as it can be mm-hmm. in the orchestration up until that point. It's like it's gotten louder and louder and louder, and it's like, it's, oh, it's just so, it's so brilliant mm-hmm. how you build into the riot mob mentality. Like, I, again, I don't... Here's where I'm around. He literally... He he put mob mentality buildup into the orchestration. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Because, it, again, in the staging, in the Broadway staging, too, you have different... It's all... It's basically the stage is lit by fire. Yeah. Like, by different torches. And they're on... Hugh Dorsey and Tom Watson, and I think Mrs. Fagan are on different platforms. Oh no, it's John Slayton and his wife are on a different platform at mm-hmm. the, like kind of circling around. Yeah. And it's there, it's all the different, the different towns, the different uh, Georgia townspeople are moving the platforms mm-hmm. with the, with the round. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible, the orchestration behind it. And you, like, you feel yourself, you can see how everybody's getting revved up. Yeah. I mean, Jason Robert Brown is, like, this is really masterful storytelling within the music. Yeah. Um, not just the lyrics, but, like, musically, it kind of captures everything, and it tells us everything that we need to know. There could be no lyrics. Um, and you'd know exactly what's going exactly. on. Exactly. It's wild. Um, Leo gets transferred to a prison work farm in Milledgeville, Georgia, and Lucille comes to visit him, and they get to have lunch for the first time together in two years. I made you a picnic. Um, oh, I'm a farm boy now, Lucille. Yeah, she like she's like, oh, you've you've got a tan. tan. Oh, it's um, he's like, I'm the only Jewish farm boy there's ever been. Oh, it's it's just oh, a, it's just it's so sweet because like it's the first time they're in love. Yeah, they're they're <sighs> together and they're in love. And they have a picnic, and they reflect on everything that has happened, mm-hmm. and their hopes for the future, and how much they love each other in the song, All the Wasted Time. <gasps> it's so good. It's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. And it's the first, it literally, the whole song is him saying, I will never understand, um, I will never understand what, um, what, I did what to, to deserve you, you. Uh, or how to be the man that I'm supposed to be. Oh. <sighs> It's the it, it's the first time they're saying I love you to each other. It's the first, it's they're literally saying like it's literally called all the wasted time because they're saying how could we have wasted 
our our marriage thus far, mm-hmm. not realizing how incredible and how lucky I am to have you. Yeah. And then they end the song, make it out. Yeah. Which is, you know what? They go on top of each other. They, they go, they pound each other in that field. Yeah, they do. They go to town. Yeah. And you're like, it's yes. Good for you. <laughs> it's, uh it's so beautiful. And the score, again. Again, I mean, a broken record at this point, but damn. Jason Robert Brown, you did it, buddy. Congratulations. You did it, my guy. It's it's so beautiful. And like they have they make small talk about like, oh, when I come home, like I'll start a garden because yeah. I, I found that I like, you know, planting things in soil and it's very, very cute. That night, um, Lucille leaves because it's late and she has to go home. So that night, Leo goes to sleep. You know, it's a normal night. And then um, I'm gonna go ahead and put Huge, huge, huge content warning. Um, Big for, old for the warning. end of the show. This is like it's been upsetting so far, but this is when it gets extra upsetting. A group of masked men break into his cell and then they kidnap him. The sun begins to rise, and we see Leo standing by a tree, being prodded to confess to the murder of Mary Fagan. Um, and in this group of people, there are characters that we recognize. Like Frankie Epps is there. The old soldier from the beginning of the show is there. The detectives who were like looking for witnesses are there, um, like a whole. So I think Tom Watson. Oh, there. Tom Watson is absolutely. Tom Watson is leading the pack, pack. Um, for sure because he's a monster. Um, yeah, so they're all like, admit it, admit what you did, admit what you did, and like one of the guys is like starting. You can tell he's starting to be like, oh, I don't like the way that this is going, and so he's like, okay, like. What if he admits to it? We, we'll just take him back. We'll, he, he'll admit to it and he'll say he's sorry and then we'll take him back and, you know, it'll be fine, right? It'll be fine. And then Leo is like, you know what? I am sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to that little girl. I did not do it, though. And he refuses to admit to something he didn't do. And he knows that in doing that, he is... He knows this position he's in. Yeah. And he knows the conviction of what he's saying. Exactly. And he is, he says that he's not going to admit to it. And he asks them to give his wedding ring to Lucille. (laughs) So they take it off of his finger. And then they place a noose around his neck. He says a prayer in Hebrew. He sings Shema. And then he dies. Oh my gosh. It's... It's acapella. It's it's so devastating. And, and in a show with such intricate music, like, throughout, like, there are layers, and it's very, very intricate music. This is, it's simple. It's just him singing his prayer with a nice, simple melody. Oh, <sighs> and, and in, again, listeners... If I, I have not done research on this, I've simply listened to it from the show. I believe the song is called Shema. Mm-hmm. I believe that is a traditional Jewish prayer. Yeah. Done, I believe, again, yeah, it is, yeah, Shema is a Jewish prayer. So he is singing, he is singing a Jewish prayer. Yeah. As he, ugh. I, he sings, it is, he sings the Hebrew, yeah. the Hebrew prayer. Yeah, it's so, so so incredibly sad. Ugh. Time has passed. Um, and Britt Craig delivers Leo's wedding ring to Lucille. He says that it got delivered to him at his office. That may tr- be true. That may not be true. I feel like it might be true because I think, I like to think by the end, Britt realized the 
damage that he caused. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that Britt would have been there with the group of people that... I don't think he is. No, no. I don't think so either. Um, but, you know, maybe he was. Maybe I'm wrong. But he gives her his Leo's wedding ring and he asks if she plans to leave Georgia. Because it is now being governed by Hugh Dorsey. It's just... Because it's, it's real life, too. Yeah. That really happened mm-hmm. that he was elected the next governor. Yeah. Uh, and she says that she's not going to go anywhere. She says that Georgia is her home, and she's going to stay there, and, you know, it, it's her home. She's not going to leave because of Hugh Dorsey. And then we get a flashback of Mary Fagan uh, in the moment that they had at the very beginning of the show. She wishes Mr. Frank a happy Memorial Day. Mr. Frank, happy, happy Memorial Day. Day. Also, let listeners on Twitter who every Memorial Day tweet this, it is the Confederate Memorial Day. No, it is not the Memorial Day. It is not, May. It's not our Memorial Day. It's Confederate Memorial Day. It's Confederate Day. Memorial Day. Please stop doing I that. I understand it's, to you it's funny to say happy Memorial Day like Mary Fagan. It is not the Memorial Day at the end of May, friends. Nope. Let's remember that you're saying happy Confederate Memorial Day. Yeah. Let's take a pause. Yeah. Before we tweet something we don't know. Exactly. Um, she wishes him a happy Memorial Day. He nods. And then the two disappear. The citizens of Atlanta start to appear on the stage. It is once again Memorial Day. Lucille turns to watch. Lights out. The end. And it ends with a snare drum. Yeah. It ends with the ringing of the snare drum from the beginning of the... the oh my gosh. It's so... Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry listener. No. Go the, the show opens with a snare drum and it closes with the snare drum. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Listeners, that's parade. That's parade. I'm so sorry. Um, if you need to take a moment to get a, a baked treat or a drink of water or something, you deserve it. Do that. Um, but... This show, and like, first of all, I cannot believe, knowing the story, it is crazy to me that someone looked at it, as much as I love the show, it's crazy someone looked at it and was like, we should write a musical about that. Well, the fact that Hal Prince was like, hey, Steve Sondheim. Yeah. We should write a musical. Well, but they also were the people that did Sweeney Todd, Little Music, Follies. But like, that's different. Like, this is a historical event. The fact that they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's look at the start of the, the restarting of the Ku Klux Klan in the South and a historic moment of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Let's write a musical about that. Yeah. About a trial. That sounds About a man who was wrongly convicted. Yeah. For trigger warning. Yeah. Raping and murdering a 13-year-old. Yeah. A 13-year-old girl who was working at the factory, which is like... Working at a pencil factory. For 10 cents an hour. Like, oh my god. There are so many layers of this where you're like, who? It's, it is wild because it is, it is an, it's an incredible musical. Mm -hmm. But the fact that somebody went, that Al Prince went, hey, this should be a musical. Like, I, I love this show. I have so much love and appreciation for the show because Jason Robert Brown's music is so impeccable and I mean I personally I wouldn't know about this if this show didn't exist I wouldn't they didn't teach me this in you know high school history class and I think that it's so important I think this is something that everyone should know like this happened and 
I love this show, but I'm still so like, who who was who decided this should be a musical? Well, also too like the fact that this. This show started Jason Robert Brown's career. Yeah, it it made Jason Robert Brown because yes, he had done songs for New World mm-hmm. before this, but literally it was because Hal Prince's daughter Daisy Prince directed it. Yeah, and that's and literally she went, "Hey, Dad, maybe since your buddy Steve won't do it, yeah, I have a friend. He did songs for New World. Mm-hmm. He should do. He should write this. Yeah. Now we have Jason Robert Brown. Now we have Jason Robert Brown. Oh my God. We wouldn't have thirteen. We. <laughs> Oh my god, I love 13. Madonna Bowie music. We need music. music. <laughs> I love 13. I I mean, Jason Robert Brown's music is really he's a freak of nature. Like he's incredible. the way that the way he's able to create like story-driven melodies and not just like have the lyrics push the story forward is yeah. really really wild to me. Um well like even comparing the episode y'all did last week of Honeymoon in Vegas. Like, yeah. That's the same man. That's the same man did Honeymoon in Vegas. That's the same man. He wrote a song called Out of the Sun about a woman who died of skin cancer. And then, and he also did this. He did. All the ways to town. And he also, reader, I, was, I saw Mr. Saturday Night this past weekend, uh, which is the show where he wrote the music for it. Um, it's running on Broadway right now. There is a song called Tahiti <laughs> in it where it's about the main character's wife wanting to live in Tahiti. Same man. St- he contains He wrote, lyrics. my child will forgive me. Yeah. And then he wrote, Tahiti. <laughs> yeah. He, he truly is insane. Um, and I hate that his shows don't run for very long. It feels like an attack on me personally. I know that it's not, but it feels like it. Yeah. Because I, I love his music so much. And I've loved his music since I first heard it. Since I can... Since I first heard 13 the musical, I've loved his music. Well, and honestly, it's not. What also is the the thing, too, because I was thinking kind of before doing the podcast, I was like, have I seen, like, oh, what Jason Robert Brown shows have I actually seen? Mm-hmm. And I was going through, and I was like, well, I haven't seen, I got my tickets for the Encore's production of Parade in November, but I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, that'll be the first time I've seen Parade, because I just, there haven't been productions of yeah, Parade. Yeah, people don't do Parade for um, some reason. And then I was going through his list, and I was like, I have, I, I didn't get to see Songs for New World. I haven't seen the last five years. I was like going through, and I was like, the only show I've seen is 13. I saw a teen camp production of 13 in Renton, Washington. Oh. Shout out to the Renton Civic Theater. In a mall in Renton, Washington. In a mall? It, it was, I think that's the theater in a mall. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I went with friends last minute and I went, that's the, but it's because 13, because it's all teens, mm-hmm. that's the show, that's the Jason Moore Brown show. And obviously, I, Songs for New World in the last five years because mm-hmm. there's no set. Yeah. It's very, it, but I'd say last five years more. But it's like they're not, his shows are not done super often not in at all. regional or community theaters, no. which. I, I can understand why, but I also don't understand why they aren't done more. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's so good. You want it to be done everywhere yeah. because it's so, it's such a beautiful story and it's told so masterfully, but also I can understand why. Like, he wrote this for a 30-piece orchestra. I can't name a single theater outside of maybe the Muni who could afford a 30-piece orchestra. Yeah, outside of any, like, regional theater. Like, major can, regional yeah, theater. Like, uh, yeah, where they can pay yeah. Broadway people to come do it. Yeah. 
It's and even the space uh, for it. I mean, like my my alma mater did parade, but it was through the professional company. I guess. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we move into dream casting? I mean, do we want to talk about the encore's production, or do we want to say you know that what? part of the dream casting? <laughs> we can talk about the. Well, let's talk about the encore's production. I yeah, when they came out with the casting, because I remember them announcing that 2014-2015 concert, mm-hmm. and again, Jeremy Jordan and Laura Benanti individually great. Great. Would not have been my first choice. No, would not have been my first choice ever. And like, Laura Nancy, girl, I love you. You know, I love you. Um, she's, it's kind of similarly to like, she's a soprano. Yeah. And Lucille's a belter. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, this is where I have a hard time because I, if it's written as like a belter, I, I want it to be a belter. If it's written like as a soprano, sorry, yeah. Sutton. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, music man. Yeah. yeah, I want it to be a soprano, but I also understand. But I also do love that, and that they're not being bound to that. So that there is open for interpretation of mm-hmm. vocal type. Yeah. So it's like I'm not I'm not mad that Laura Benanti was cast. I think I just was like not expecting. Yeah. Her interpretation of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Laura Benanti. Love you. Beautiful voice. Gorgeous. I love you as Louise and Gypsy. Her My Fair Lady. Um, Gorgeous. Beautiful. I, you know what? I loved you in The Wedding Singer. Loved I'll, you in The Wedding Singer. I'll be brave. I'll say it. I know that wig was awful, but I loved you. I, I loved you in The Wedding Laura, you have fans for The Wedding Singer. We love you. <laughs> um, Do it again. <laughs> revive it. It's revive it. Revive The Wedding Singer. Let's talk... Listen, if you do a Wedding Singer episode, I'm in. I'll put you, you know for the revival. <laughs> Great. I'm I'm there. I'm with you. I'm I love... Um, I love Wedding Singer. I love it. But... In later on this year, I think in November of this year, November. 2022, there's going to be an encore production of Parade. Parade. Directed by Michael Arden. Directed love. by Michael Arden, who I love. And love. I'm really, really interested to see what he's going to do with it. Led The cast will be led by um, Michaela Diamond as Lucille Frank, which I'm not upset about, no, actually. I, I'm not. I'll... I'll I... Because I saw her in Cher's show and she was great. Yeah. So I know... And, and both her and... Ben Platt... <laughs> They're both Jewish, which I love. Yeah. Yay. It's great. I don't like Ben Blatt, though. They're going to, they're, here, and here's my thing. They're going to sing the pants out of it. Yeah. They're going to sing the pants, but they're going to act the pants out of it. My biggest, my biggest thing with this casting is they're too young. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to overlook the age, to be honest. The ages, I can move past, but Ben Platt, there is something about him that comes across as incredibly insincere to me. He might be a wonderful person. I could be entirely wrong. But especially after all of the stuff about the Dear Evan Hansen movie happened, where he's like, well, without me, this movie wouldn't have happened. It's like, yeah, we get it. You're a nepotism baby. Like, congratulations. You got lucky. Your dad is Mark Platt. Mark Platt. But, like, he just comes across as incredibly insincere. And that feels like a really dangerous choice for Leo, in my opinion. Like, I I feel like I should be able to trust him immediately. Yeah. Well, it's someone on, someone on Twitter, because... Theater Twitter has said, I mean, so many people, not just you, everyone has been like, revive parade, revive parade, revive parade. Yeah. We need a production. Let's go. So when they announced this, every, literally when they announced that, they, that City Center Encores was going to do parade and everyone was like, oh my gosh. And then they were like, with Ben Platt and Michaela Diamond, it was like, oh, and somebody on Twitter said, wishes come true, not free. <laughs> and I lost oh it. Oh my God. Because I was like, yeah. oh, that's so accurate. And like, again, I'm... You know, they're all children of God, so, like, God bless, they get to live their dreams. But, like, 
I I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna have to wait and see in, in November yeah. if it's if it's really gonna work. Ben, be blessed, buddy. <laughs> I I really I wish you all the best and so much success in your life more than you've already had. I have to um, I have to keep telling myself like when they announced the casting, I was like, just remember you're gonna hear the orchestrations. You're gonna hear you're mm-hmm. gonna hear all these songs like yeah. where they like a city center is gonna go all out. Yeah, they're gonna have that thirty piece. They're gonna have like. 70 people in that cast. Yeah. They're going to have a choir in the background. They're going to have like a, the huge orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, it's the first, um, I think she, I think she's music uh, directing this show, but it's the first female music director for the encores. I think this will be her first show. God bless her. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm thrilled for every other part of this production. I'm thrilled that it's happening. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be beautiful. Yep. I just don't. I don't. Sorry, Ben. I'm so sorry, sorry Ben. Sorry, my guy. Um, <laughs> Not into but it. But <laughs> I'm also excited. I don't know. It might have already been announced and I've just missed it, but I'm really excited to hear the rest of the cast. Yeah, I, from what I know, they haven't announced any of the cast, well, which I hope our dream casting reflects well, some parts of it. <laughs> Speaking of which. Speaking of cast. Okay, so this show, I don't know if you noticed, but it has a million characters. <laughs> it has a, I was going to say, it's a million characters. Yeah. I, we, I've cast... A majority of them. I've done some dream casting. So good we, for you. I, I cast, love this show. <laughs> I cast a handful. We'll go based on your. So much. We'll go based on your handful. Yeah, but that just means yours. Throw them in there. Maybe Pick we'll throw them in there. But we'll, we'll go based yeah. on who you have. Um. So we can start. Let's start it with our leading man. I feel like that's the best place to start. Mr. Leo Frank, the center of this tale. I feel like you have the same person. I, have. Yeah, I mean, we definitely do because we've talked about it in real life. It's. One Brandon Uranowitz. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's hurtful that he was not picked. I understand now, seeing what else he's been cast as. When I tell you, when that Leopold stat, I think that's how you pronounce the play, mm-hmm. Leopold stat, uh, when they announced the two people, mm-hmm. Brandon Uranowitz being the first two, because mm-hmm. I literally, I'll just reveal one of my Lucille castings yeah. right now as well. Casey, I believe it's Casey Levy. Mm-hmm. Cassie Levy, I believe is Casey Levy. It's how she, you pronounce her name. She was Elsa, original Elsa and Frozen, hair, original cast. She's incredible. Yeah. But when they announced the two of them as the is care as in Leopoldstadt, I went the 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 irony of this. Yeah. The fact that y'all couldn't be in parade, and this is the reason. Yeah. Good good for you that you're booked. Congrats. But I'm so upset. I'm so upset the two specific people that mm-hmm. people have like People have been saying Brandon, Brandon Uranowitz and Casey Levy for years well, Brandon, for Parade. Brandon Uranowitz has openly said. Yeah. And, like, there is something so disarming about him. Like, seeing him in falsettos, like, he's just, you want to root for him. Oh, and he did, I think it was Broadway Box did, uh, does a series called Broadway Bucket List. Oh, and I love it. He yeah. did one where he said, Leo Frank is my dream role. Absolutely. And he's saying this is not over yet. You know what? Maybe... We'll get an Into the Woods situation, and Leopoldstadt will have, have closed already. We'll have closed. It'll have had a moment, um, but it'll close. It will do its run. And then we will get our we'll parade. Get parade we deserve a... We've been very brave. We we've been really brave. We deserve a Brandon Uranowitz-led parade revival. Absolutely. We want his dreams to come true Absolutely. as much as ours. We deserve it. Um, uh, do you have anyone else for Leo? I do. Yes. Um, so Brandon Uranowitz is obviously my, like, top first pick absolutely i would be interested to see like a young mark kudish perhaps okay he's a little i think old for it now but he's very different than brandon and i think he would bring a really interesting energy to the character um and also 
Andrew Garfield. <laughs> it would be so sweet. Oh my god. He would gosh. bring so like yeah. And you just you root for Andrew. Like yeah. in anything he does, you're like, I hope good things happen for you. I for sure can he, see that. He could I think he could sing it. Yeah. He could obviously act it. And I'm really just waiting for him to come to Broadway. Like in a musical. Let's go. Like he did Angels in America. Congratulations, it's amazing. Bring him in a musical. Bring him. Wow. I yeah. like that. So those are my three Leos. Amazing. Ugh, my Leo, my my one and only was Brandon Uranowitz. Yeah. Um, for Lucille, mm-hmm. I have three Lucilles. Great. Casey Levy being my, t- my top. Carmen Cusack. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Cusack. my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she would be so good. She'd be so, she'd be so good. She'd be, she'd be, she'd be so she'd good. She'd be so good. It's her fault. Yeah. It's, she'd be so oh good. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would love that. I want that. And then also, I would love to see this Bonnie Milligan. I mean, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. This would be the part I would put her in in the show. Yeah, definitely. And I want to see her. I, I think that she would... I love seeing people who typically play, like, really strong roles have a moment, moment to be, like, vulnerable. Yeah. And this would be her moment to be vulnerable, especially, like, at the beginning. More subdued. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. I'm into it. I'm here for it. My Lucille's are not interesting... Um, Casey Levy yeah. is number one. And this woman did the national tour, Andrea Burns. <gasps> I love Andrea I, Burns. I would Andrea yeah. Burns. I would love to see I would love to see her Lucille. Yeah. Because I heard Lucille. I heard really good things on the internet about her uh, tour production and that she was so good. Well she's like besties with Jason Robert Brown too. Yeah. Didn't, like camp together oh, that's growing up. Right. Yeah, oh, so I and, love her. I would love to see her interpretation of the character. I and also like She's Hispanic, so it would be, I think, really great to see, like, an extra layer to her. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So, those are my Lucille's. I'm into it. Um, next, I have Jim Conley. Um, I only have one person I want to see play Jim Conley. Where, do you think we have the same person? One, Maybe. two, three. Joshua, Joshua Henry. Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, it's Joshua well, Henry. And he played it in the 2014, in that concert version, because I looked it up. That's why I was thinking about it. I was like, Joshua Henry would be really I'm surprised he's not done, done it already. I did the same thing, and, I, and then I looked up the controversy and I went, oh, of course he did it. Oh, of course he did I it didn't in that look production. It up. But that makes perfect sense, I, yeah. and it's great casting, and I stand by that. That's great. I'm I obsessed. Love it. I love it. I also put uh, Sidney DuPont, who's in Paradise Square right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the, um, it's like him and AJ Shively are the, are, do a lot of scenes together, but Sidney Dupont, I feel like, would be yeah, because I saw him in Paradise Square and he was really good. Yeah, and I was like, You have that, I feel like you could do a, Jim, a good Jim Connolly. Yeah, so that would be that was my other kind of pick. Yeah. Is AJ Shiver Jewish? I don't know, he might be an interesting Leo. I do have him somewhere else on here. Interesting, I yeah. love it. Um, yeah, so Jim he Con- would be a good Leo too. Yeah, Jim Connolly, Joshua Henry. I, I, Jim Connolly needs to be. Someone that you're just gonna believe, even though they're telling you straight up lies. For Dorsey, for Mr. Hugh Dorsey, um, this was a like no brainer for me. Like I cast Hugh Dorsey before I cast anyone else. Um, like I already kind of knew that I was gonna cast Brandon and Casey, but like other than that, it was Hugh. I cast Terrence Mann. <gasps> yeah. Right. Like it, it's Terrence Mann. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I put Mark Kudish in this role. I love that. I did Mark Kudish, and then I did I, I did Stephen Pasquale. <gasps> yeah. Because uh-huh. if you make Stephen Pasquale a la 
John Wilkes Booth. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because Hugh Dorsey becomes the mayor. Yeah. So it's like you get this kind of charismatic guy mm-hmm. or like suave guy. Yeah. I feel like Mark Mark Kudish could play him now. Stephen Pasquale could play him in like 10 years. Yeah. I love that. Those are my two. I love that. That's amazing. I, Terrence Mann. Terrence, Terrence Mann. Mann. I like it's Terrence. It, I was just like, it's gotta be Terrence. It's gotta be. Um, cause he, he is so charismatic and he like commands attention, but he feels, there's something about him that feels like Javert to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Terrence Mann. And then the last character I have, you can absolutely add more. There's a million roles, and I kind there of overwhelmed. Like, <laughs> it's well because um, even if you just look at people who sing, it's a lot. It's a lot of people. Um, the last character I have is Britt Craig, um, which if you are doing a production of a um, parade and you want to cast a woman as Britt Craig, give me a call. Um, but I think that Gavin Creel would be a wonderful yeah. Brit. Like especially yeah. after seeing him in Into, Into the, the Woods, Woods, which I saw this past week and listeners it's incredible it's so good the hype is real yeah the it, hype is real and deserved um it's so good yeah but Gavin Creel is my Burt Craig I see mine was Matt Doyle yeah okay Matt Doyle Burt Craig I'm into that and then a young Brian Darcy James yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that like, a lot. Like, you get, because Matt Doyle, like, especially has, like, that energy and, like, mm-hmm. the, like, of getting the crowd yeah. hyped. Well, it's like. Same, and Gavin Curl, like, they have the same yeah. energy. Well, like, Matt Doyle would be interesting because I know he's not, like, I mean, none of us are as young as, are as, young as we used to be, but, like, he has still, like, a pretty youthful, youthful energy, energy, and he would give you, like, Britt Craig, like, just, like. Yeah. starting his career trying to Absolute, get his footing the drive Brian Darcy James like circa well like right before wild party but like even then he still comes across as like a little more settled in his life and so with that Brit Craig would maybe be more of like a trying to revitalize a career that he once had mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. I've been working for so long and nothing has stuck and I'm stuck in this stupid town telling stupid stories about shit that doesn't matter yeah um I love Oh my gosh, so much. Yeah, that's great. Brian Darcy James, because he also did Sweet Smell of Success, which is like a similar, Mm. similar vibe. I love Sweet Smell of Success. I love Sweet Smell of Success at the fountain. At the fountain. Stop talking at the fountain. Oh my god, I'm at the fountain. Uh, That show. That show. Yeah, read his tune. Let's go. (laughs) Kelly (laughs) O'Hara. Gotta get in the car. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll, I, I did do as many characters as no, I could, because I know this show. I want to hear. But I'll do, I'll kind of do a rundown yeah. of what I have, but no, I love Gavin Creel for Craig. Thank you. Love it. Uh, for Mary Fagan, I had, um, her name is Sophie Polano. She was a finalist at the Jimmys this year. Oh, cute. And she was, she, she got nominated for playing Cinderella, but she sang, um, uh, oh, it's that song from Funny Girl. Da, 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 oh, da, music that makes music you dance. dance. I know exactly what you're talking about. Love and that. she nailed it. I think now, like, if you're casting it now, like, the Encourse production, I think she'd be incredible. Yeah. Or a young Sierra Bogus. Absolutely. Abs- like, Sierra, like, a teenage Sierra Bogus, for sure. Also, fun fact, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know this, the original Mary Fagan, Christy, <laughs> Christy Carlson Romano, <laughs> a.k.a. Red Stevens, <laughs> went to the moon in 1969. <laughs> Not in 1968, but a year later. later. She did. She finished Parade. And then went to Even Stevens. And I love that. I'm so obsessed with that, that it was Christy Carlson Romano. When, I'll never forget finding that out and being like, from Even Stevens? <laughs> she, she, Mary Fagan? 
Because, like, I knew she'd done Beauty and the Beast, but I, that, I was like, of course she did Beauty and the Beast. She's a Disney post? girl. Yep, yeah, post. Even, even, no, Mary Fagan? <laughs> the original Mary Fagan? Christy Carlson Romano? It's Kim Possible? It's like that um, gif of the woman like, Beyonce? <laughs> Beyonce? That's how I felt. But yeah. Like, Christy Carlson Romano? Crazy. Oh Absolutely insane. Oh my god. Absolutely Ridiculous. insane. Ridiculous. Like, what about a young, like a young Miley Cyrus? Like, little kid Miley? I could, I could. <laughs> like, little kid. And not I could, I could Hannah Montana, that. like, Big Fish era. She's a Big Fish. She's like, oh, she has, like, a moment in the Big Fish movie. She's <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Okay. A blink and you'll miss it. She's one of blink the little kids at the beginning. you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. Little kid Miley, maybe. I don't know. It'd be well, interesting. Yeah. Let's get our let's get our like Disney stars pre Disney <laughs> yeah. to play Mary Fagan. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hilary Duff. <laughs> pre Lizzie. Pre Lizzie McGuire. Can um, you imagine <laughs> Hilary Duff? <laughs> Mr. Well, Frank. that's my life. Thanks for stopping by, Mr. Frank. Happy <laughs> Memorial Day. Well, Mr. Frank. Happy Memorial Day! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! Wow. Yeah, that's, there you go. <laughs> that's the pull <political> quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Okay, who else? Oh my gosh! Uh, for Frankie Epps, I said Andrew Barth Feldman. Absolutely, I was thinking of that and I forgot to write it down, but it is absolutely Andrew here. Barth his his atomic science. Yeah. Break devastating, my heart. devastating. Break my heart. I would please cast him in the encore. Please production. cast him in the encore production, but pull him aside and be like, "You can riff twice what? in Once. the whole show. You get two riffs in the whole show. Whole show. You can do. It. You can pick your two wisely. Yes. Because if you pick wrong, I'm cutting it. I'm out. <laughs> and then you only get one. I'm out. Um, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Oh my god, his voice is yeah. stupid. Andrew Feldman. That was my pick. Uh, Tom Watson. Patrick Page. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was Patrick that's, Page. That's great. I knew that he. I was like, Patrick Page should be in this show, especially after seeing him as Hades. Yeah, but I was like, I don't know where to put him. I almost Pat Tom Watson was my first pick, but then also the Old Soldier, <gasps> Patrick Page. Um, yeah, because the Old Soldier also doubles as Judge Ron, mm. so you get those mm-hmm. two the two act moments. Yeah, I love that. So yeah. Patrick Page, Patrick, uh, John Slayton. This is where I would put Andy Carl. <gasps> yeah, for sure. Andy Carl or Steve Kazee. Mm-hmm. Pretty music. Because the guy who played mm-hmm. the guy who played uh this uh John Slayton in the bra- in the original Broadway is the original Professor Bear from Little Women. I did not know that. Yeah. So I was like, who has similar Professor Bear energy? Yeah. Like Andy Carl doesn't have Professor Bear energy, but like he, him doing pretty music, I was like, yes. Yes. Steve Kazee has Professor Bear, Bear energy. energy. Yeah, Andy Carl, he doesn't quite have Laurie energy, but it's more Laurie than anything else. Because I don't see him as He um, doesn't really John. fit into he, Little Women. He doesn't, but if I had, had to, to put, put him, him if they were Laurie energy. Yeah, it would be Laurie. Like, he doesn't quite have it, but he's got it more than he's got anything else. Anything else. Um, yeah. So that was my other Absolutely. one. I love that. Um, I do have, sorry, there are a lot no, of people. There's so many characters. Please, um, please, please. I want this, I'm going to say this one because I want, for Mrs. Fagan, Carolee Carmelo. Bring Carolee back. Yeah. Mrs. Yeah, Fagan. I love it. Didn't, I might be hallucinating, but didn't, didn't Charlotte D'Amblois play in Fagan? In L.A. In the L.A. She played production. Mrs. Fagan in the L.A. production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that it. they did with T.J. Knight and Laura Pulver. 
AKA Irene Adler from the Sherlock series. I love it. AKA Louise from, from the London production Richard. with Imelda Staunton of Gypsy. She's really good. She's really great. She's really great in that. Love it. And then I have uh, the young soldier, mm-hmm. AJ Shipley. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That, it makes sense. Yeah. It just makes sense. Because like I could, I was like, maybe for Britt Craig, maybe for, maybe for Frankie Apps, but then I was like, the young soldier at the beginning. Because especially with him with Bright Star, you're oh, like, that's the same. Yeah, it's... You're the same. Bright Star and Old Hills of Home are the same. It's the same character presence. in a different font. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then I'll say... I'll do this one last because... I did have casting for... I'll just... Yeah, I'll say it really quick. So far, Iola, Essie, and Montine, which are the girls that sing... Um, uh, oh, name. The I have uh, Anna Zavelson. I believe that's how you say her last name. Mm-hmm. She, another Jimmy nominee. She, I can't remember what song she sang. Also, the Jimmys this year, big parade representation. Big parade representation. Three, I think there's eight finalists. Three of them sang parade songs. All different parade songs. As they should. As they, as I also cast, I think her last, it's Simone Simons or Simmons. Mm -hmm. She was on the finalist. I could totally see her in this show. She's gonna be great. Um, But yeah, uh, Anna Zavelson, Zavelson, I would put her, Julie Lester. Who's yes. playing Little Red right yes. now. Yes. Oh my gosh, she's so good. She's, she's yeah, so good. Putting them, and then Cara De, De Pietro. <gasps> yeah, from TikTok. So she's on TikTok mm-hmm. right now, uh, but the three of them doing. I love it. Uh, that trio. I was like. Absolutely. They fit. They fit perfectly. Doing that. I love it. So like that energy for the, for the three girls. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is the old soldier slash Judge Rowan. Yeah. George Hearn. Would be my first choice. Yeah. Original Lakaja Fall, mm-hmm. the pro shot of Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. But then really my pick. Yeah. <laughs> Elaine Stritch. <laughs> yes. Could you imagine? Could I can. You, could you I imagine can. Elaine Stritch going the Russian of the, the Russian of the Shadow Hoochie? The Russian of the Shadow Hoochie. Russian of the Shadow Hoochie. Cigarette in one hand. Fur coat on, not in costume. They can't get her in costume. She won't wear it. Can't get her but in costume. She, but she's there. Absolutely. And you know what? We should make the judge a woman. I want to see Elaine Stritch come back. I into love the that. Old I love that so much. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She she is the old soldier. She's been through it, and she deserves a chance to shine. Um, <laughs> Oh my god! So that's uh, that's I, my that's my casting. I love that. I'm gonna add one more person for my Britt Craig, and that's Andy Carl for Britt Craig. Yeah, I also think he'd be was, good. Uh, yeah, I just think yeah. he'd be good. A great, um, good Britt Craig. Yeah. So a good a good Britt Craig. A good Britt Craig. Um, Andy, if you're listening, big fans. Andy, if you're listening, please call me. <laughs> Andy, please. we'll put you in anything. Like any, you pick the show. It's yours. Um, but also on course. Put Andy Carl in the show. Of course, listen to us. We can, it's done. We the did, work is done. We did a great job. You can redeem yourselves by putting any of these people on the show. <laughs> You've got. We gave you options. We gave you Elaine Stritch. We gave you. We gave you everything from Jimmy nominees to Elaine Stritch. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh my gosh! And that's parade. What a delight that show is. Um, thank you, Jason Robert thank, Brown. Thank you, actually, thank you, Jason. Thank Robert you, Brown. Alfred Yuri. Oh my God. Thank yeah. you, Hal Prince, for everything you've done. We are. I. 
I love this show and I'm forever grateful that it exists. Um, and I genuinely cannot wait for this Encores production because yeah. it's the fact that we're getting a production of Great yeah. in New York right now yeah. with the caliber of City Center Encores. Absolutely. I am super, if you're in New York, I think it's November 1st through 6th or something like that. It's the mm-hmm. first week of November. Look, I know the Encores, they do have $35... Uh, they have seats for $35. They do have a student initiative for $35 and rush tickets, I believe. But if you're here, hit up the City Center Encores production yeah. in November. I bet it's going to be really, really it's great. It's going to be nuts. Um, so this is this is the end of our Jason Robert Brown July. Thank you, Jason, for all that you do. Um, our next episode... A broad departure. broad departure. In a broad departure from the seriousness of Parade, we will be doing Brigadoon. 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 Um, not, not to be confused with Schmigadoon, the Apple TV show. Um, Brigadoon, the learner and low <laughs> fantasy classic. Yeah. Um, you know what? It'll be a nice palate cleanser, I think. I'm not um, I'm a little bummed I'm not here to talk about Brigadoon. Right. Slee's gonna have a great time talking about Brigadoon. <laughs> She's gonna have a great time. She's actually leading that episode. So Slee, I know you're listening to this. I hope you're prepared for Brigadoon. Brigadoon. Um, yeah, so that's it. Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you me. so much for having you me. It was wonderful. This was great. Was wonderful. A Thank wealth of knowledge. No, Parade is my favorite musical. I love the show oh, so much. So I was thrilled when they said, Y'all, do you want to come and talk about Parade? Yeah. I was beside myself. Well, well, we gave you, we were like, you can do Diana or Parade. Take your <laughs> And it was, listen, listener, it was kind of a hard choice because Caitlin and I saw Diana together <laughs> on Broadway. And it was one of the one of the best theatrical experiences of my life. It's way up there. It was high camp in in the best way. It was high camp. It was a Saturday matinee. <laughs> it was half empty. Yeah, and it we was mo- wonderful. We moved up to like the fifth row yeah. orchestra. It was great. We had a great time. So when she was like, "Do you want to do Diana or Parade?" Like my spirit knew I needed to do Parade because it's it's been my favorite show since like junior senior year of high school. But she threw in Diana. I, I, I had to. I had to offer it up to you. Listener, I had to sit for a minute. <laughs> I, had sit, I had to pray on it. I had to think on it. Prayer warriors, I had to think on it. <laughs> Prayer warriors, we did it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it. That's this episode. Um, we hope you have enjoyed it. Um, links for everything is going to be in the description. If ticket links are available for your show, they that'll are. be in the description. Great. I'll look it up and I'll add that there. So if you are in the Tennessee, Nashville area, go see it. Go go see it. Oh. Do it. If you want. No. Do it. <laughs> Don't be a coward. Do it. It's going to be amazing. I mean, if you, if no, you want. It's going to be amazing. If you want to come uh, hang out with st- me. A star in her own oh, right. Thank you. Go, go do it and then be like, oh, I heard you. <laughs> Podcast, I heard we, you on the parade episode. <laughs> we were really, you kept talking a lot, um, but uh, I yeah. really thought you were uh, a fun person to be around. I, I learned a lot from you, <laughs> so I had to come see your show. If it happened, I would actually freak out. I would freak out too. Um, yeah, if one of our listeners from who doesn't already know, us, yeah, who doesn't already know, that would be cool. Anyway, that's it. I feel like we've been talking long enough, long, so yeah. Um, thank Sorry you so much for talking to <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to This Podcast Won't Run a Week. If you'd like to support us, be sure to rate, review, follow, like, and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're interested in additional very cool content, you can head over to patreon.com slash thispodcastwon'trunaweek. 
You can check out all of our social media information as well as performance links in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening. We love you lots. Goodbye.